We can find a way. Idil Erberich presents. In this program of We Can Find a Way, my guest is David Silvera, who will be talking about transformative mediation. After a summer recess in August, welcome back to another program of We Can Find a Way, a podcast about conflict resolution. My name is Idil Elverish and I am back in London after five and a half months in Turkey, in Istanbul. And we're still alive. COVID is still with us. So this program features David Silvera, who will be talking about transformative mediation, ethno-religious mediation, and multi-track diplomacy. He will also tell us about mediation in his native Israel. We conducted this interview face-to-face in Tel Aviv back in February 2020 before the world was COVID-struck. Dr. David Silvera has been involved in the movement to introduce and develop mediation as an ADR mechanism in Israel since 1998. He first began serving as mediator at the court and today He's mediating both privately and court-appointed. He also served as the editor-in-chief of Israel's mediation portal, Sulha, and is the chairman of the Israeli Chamber of Mediators since 2005. He wrote articles and books about mediation and provided mediation trainings. Dr. Silvera is staff member and lecturer of mediation at the Evans School for Conflict Management and Mediation at Tel Aviv University. He is internationally engaged and works on issues of intercultural tension in Israel. Can you please start with telling us what transformative mediation is? First of all, thank you very much for coming. And transformative mediation is a theory that maintains that when you have a conflict, first step is to better the relationship between the sides that are in conflict and only after that to deal with the conflict itself. The idea is that if people have good relationship and respect to each other and they have good communication as a result of that, they will be able to solve their problem by themselves without the help of the third party, which is the mediator. And where does this idea come from? There are several theories uh, in mediation. Uh, the origin came from the United States. There are uh, many people who uh, brought the ideas. Uh, we have, for example, the pragmatic uh, mediation, which is problem solving. We have the transformative, we have the narrative. So uh, there are all theories. But when you do mediation, you don't do it according to theory. Okay. You do it according to the people and you utilize the theories or some aspect of the theories, including transformative mediation, in order to be able to uh, advance the mediation, to be able to allow the two people in conflict to speak to each other and to decide 
on the solution that will be for them win-win situation. So if I understand your description correctly, transformative mediation is most appropriate when the relationship of the parties is really like broken. They're not really talking to each other. So it doesn't really make much sense to bring them to a table because their relationship has so much deteriorated without really repairing measures. They cannot really work on any conflict resolution. Is that the idea? No, that's not the idea. The idea is that when people are in conflict, the theory says, don't start to help them solve the problem because of the anger between them. Try, first of all, to better their relationship. This is the first step. Because how, how then, how do you better their relationship? As you know, that uh, mediation is based on uh, two elements, strategies and the interest. In other words, what people say and what people think and feel, what people write in their application to the court and what people say in the mediation room. Which can be diverging. Yeah, of course, of course. And therefore, the mediator should be a little bit psychologist to try and understand the needs and the interests of the person and his attitude to the other side and try and work on it to better relationship. I had yesterday a, a mediation uh, with uh, two people. A person had bought a computer for two years, went to the same laboratory to repair the same problem. He spent a lot of money, he changed many parts, and it didn't work. He went to some other laboratory, and in two hours, they solved the problem. So he sued the laboratory and said, please give him the money back. We stayed three hours. We tried, first of all, to better the relation. They were so angry with each other. person who owned the computer asked for 15,000 shekel. The manager of the laboratory said, I'm sorry, I can't give you any money. And we agreed at the end that he will give you, as a present, a hard disk for his wife. And they shook hands and they kissed each other. And they said, sorry that we came to the mediation. The atmosphere became much nicer and better. In other words, we first worked on their relationship, and then they uh, spoke about their needs, and uh, I, as a mediator, took it up to a conclusion and agreement. I wanted to start with transformative mediation because I know you're a court-appointed mediator as well, and I see that the practice of court-appointed mediation in Turkey has very much turned into a how much do you want, how much can we agree kind of exercise without really working on the relationships. I mean, I'm not saying everybody is like that, but a majority of the mediations we are hearing is working like that. The mediator neglecting most of the time to work on the relationship of the parties, people feeling frustrated because of that. So can you tell us a little bit more about the court-appointed system here? You raised a very important point because you are speaking not on mediation, but maybe compromising or facilitation or conciliation. That's what the courts like. They like to close files. I don't, although I'm appointed by the court and when I returned a a file conflict to the court that I did not solve, I think that the fact that the two sides came to me and spoke about the problem helps the judge to solve the problem. 
How many times do you get appointed by the court per year, for instance? It depends, but I have uh, many, many cases because uh, today in Israel there is a law that asks people in conflict with that sue with uh, more than uh, 40,000 shekel, that's the new law. They have to see a mediator in order to discuss whether they can solve their problem by talking or they have to have a judgment. So I have quite a lot of uh, cases and I have a lot of private cases people that were sent to me by the court and they have another problem, usually they come back to me and say, please, David, we have um, a small conflict and you assist us, and I am very happy to help them solve their problem privately. Even if you solve the problem privately, the court will give it a verdict, although they did not open any file in the court. Yeah, so basically you're talking about the enforceability of the agreement that right. that is exactly. reached in the end. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. In Israel, you have a mandatory mediation for cases starting from 40,000 shekels. Does that cover all sorts of disputes that involve a monetary compensation? The mediation is not mandatory. Only the meeting with the mediator in order to decide whether the case suitable for mediation, mm -hmm. this is possible. Now, the first hour that, that the mediator in Israel gives to the parties is without payment. Only if they agree to come for mediation, they have to pay the mediator. The, all sides have to pay the mediator. Let me understand. Basically, it's for free for the parties, but the government then pays the mediator, right? For that one hour. They should pay, they don't, and I volunteer, as many others, because we, we believe in mediation, and by doing so, we are helping mediation to be present in Israel. We hope that the Treasury and the government will decide in the future to reimburse mediators who give their time free. Then it's not a box-ticking exercise for mediators. Rather, it's an exercise that they want to really do, get cases and practice mediation. Exactly. And in family court, you can't go to a judge before having up to four meetings with social worker or a mediator. Also, in order to decide whether they can solve the problem by talking to each other or going to mediation, or they think that only a judge can give a verdict and solve their problem. And I guess this involves not only divorce proceedings, but also like child custody, yes. property disputes, etc. All family disputes of, of everything, yes, exactly. Can you tell us a little bit more about ethno-religious mediation? Because I know you're involved in this. What is it? Why are you doing it? When we speak about ethno-mediation, you speak about a cultural mediation. You speak about people who have values and norms and beliefs which sometimes could be different from each other. When people don't understand each other, it can bring to hatred all kind of uh, causes. By doing such mediation, also community mediation, you in fact allow people of different religions and different cultures and different beliefs and norms to understand. They don't have to agree, but they have to understand. And when they understand, they usually respect the other people when they meet him or when they have with him any, any work to do or any discussions and so on. We found by research that were done that all cultures and all religions, there are some 
things that they do the same. For example, they are angry the same way, they are afraid the same way, they are surprised the same way. The differences are mainly in some beliefs that came from generations and so on. What I'm saying is that people should have mutual respect and they can express their mutual respect by understanding the inside of each person, each culture, each religion. There are many joint committees of Muslims, Christians and Jews, of rabbis, priests and qadis and so on. And this is in the same direction to try and bring people of differences to understand each other, respect each other and as in democracy, live and let live. So basically you're stressing that the goal here is not an agreement, rather understanding. Exactly. They don't have to agree, but if they understand, they will respect. Eventually, they can come to an agreement if they would like to, but they don't have to. They can come to an agreement not to agree. Why are you doing that kind of mediation? I'm a mediator for about 20 years. I came from the court where I mediated there quite a lot of uh, cases. And uh, at one stage, uh, I had to leave the court and be a private person. And I asked myself, what should I do? Mediation is a good idea. I started. I had a, an intercultural mediation between two families, uh, Jews and Arabs, and I really enjoyed it. Later on, I had uh, people from Ethiopia and, and people from Poland, and I enjoyed it again because I realized that I can bring people together. In Hebrew, we have a word, yachad, which means together. But if you take the abbreviation of yachad, it means When you are together, you always have differences. But the word yachad means when you have a conflict, you can always solve it. Because I don't see a conflict as a bad thing. I would like to empower conflict in order to give all the people that are involved a good feeling and respect. If they understand, their behavior and attitudes will be much different. Can you give us an example of ethno-religious mediation, also because now that you have mentioned it involved Polish people, Ethiopians, etc. For example, I gave a seminar for people who solve problems in the Bedouin Peninsula in the south. And you find there different status for men and for women. I was very happy to see in my seminar also women. However, men sat on the right-hand side Women sat on the left-hand side. During the seminar, I said, I don't like this separation. I would like them to cooperate. And therefore, I brought some kind of uh, exercises that involves men and women in the same group. And they all played and they all exercised. And the difference between men and women disappeared. When we finished the exercise, everybody came back to his place. But I'm sure that such exercises give different thinking about men and women relationship in a society that believes that the man is on a higher status than the women. Can you tell us a little bit more about the content of this conflict? What is a typical ethno-religious mediation involved, for instance? You mentioned some tribes or some different people, but what do they argue about, for instance? For example, in the Bedouin, not according to law, but according to tradition, a person can marry two or three wives. I had a case that a woman was married to a person as a second wife. And after a while, the man decided to divorce her. 
but he did not pay her what she needs in order to live. She is a very intelligent and bright, and she applied for mediation for the court. And the court transferred this case to mediation uh, to see what we can do in order that the husband will pay her what she needs. The husband said that he doesn't have work and he doesn't have money and very hardly he support one woman. That's why he divorced. But there are all kind of obligations. And uh, we involved the family and the family decided to support him in assisting her until his work will be much better and you have more income. Ethno-religious mediation in that sense is not necessarily about the law, but about customs, traditions, and people living according to these customs, traditions, values. And mediation is basically taking those into account rather than dismissing them as irrelevant as a legal system would do. Exactly. The law is in the shadow. We can't take decisions which are against the law. However, we can speak about traditions in the community, in the family, and see what we can do best out of it in order, again, in, in such mediation, the idea is to better the relations. Everything else has no consequences. What is multi-track diplomacy? Because I understand you are very much involved in it. It's kind of like a continuation of this transformative mediation, but please tell us more. Yes, it refers mainly to diplomacy, international relation between countries and communities. It is mainly the same idea of mediation, but uh, specifically in different communities, business people and academics, academics and so on. NGOs. Uh, Ambassador McDonald uh, from the United States, he was the one who founded this organization, which is based in the United States and have a branch in Israel, not very active yet person who brought it here was Professor Avi Moses Carmel from Salisbury University who emigrated to Israel and we are trying together to enlarge the idea of multi-track diplomacy which for us in Israel could be very very important in relationship to the Arab countries around us. Basic idea is as you said transformative mediation but in the international context. It basically says, okay, even if the governments can be up in arms with each other, the communities don't have to be, right? I mean, can you tell us a little bit more? Because you gave the example of Israel and Arab countries around you. What do you envision? Well, I speak mainly on a human relation and community relation. I'll give you an example. I was invited to a conference in Egypt. It was in 19... 89, when the relationship between Egypt and Israel were very bad. The president was then Husni Mubarak. The conference was of uh, adult education. The European Adult Education invited me and I participated there with another two people. I mentioned this because uh, only yesterday I uh, uh, put on my Facebook pictures from Alexandria uh, visiting uh, the Jewish synagogue that uh, was now renovated with $4 million by the Egyptian uh, government. What we did then, we visited synagogue, mosque, and church. There were people from all over the world. And when I was there, I felt at home. 
I had very good relation with people who came from Syria, and you know, no diplomatic relation with Syria, with Saudi, with Libya, with many other countries that Israel has no relation. And we developed personal relation until today. I'm in contact with many people, even in Egypt, that, that we became very, very friendly. And I think that uh, such meetings, personal uh, respect can influence policies because the people who participated in the conference were decision makers in many important organizations and the government. I met in Egypt the Minister of Education. People told me then, you don't have a chance because they will not speak to Israelis. And then I was surprised that he said, let's have a picture, which I have it until today, and I was very happy. This is part of the results of the idea of having personal relations and, and acquaintances with people of different cultures and different countries, even if there are no diplomatic relations between the states. It will come somehow, including youth. You have also seminars for in the United States, in Europe, conferences that Israeli youth and Palestinian youth are, are together. Many years ago, you know, after the, the war, there were no diplomatic relations between Israel and Germany. But then there were youth groups. I was then a student at the university. I was secretary of the student union. And we allowed meetings of Israelis and Germans to speak about the, the Holocaust and the war and so on. And the meeting took place in, in Europe, after that in Germany, in Israel, in London, in Paris and so on. And, uh, you know, and today we have good relationships. But it started by having such discussion with the people, you know, the youth and the people and adults and, and so on. So I, I give a lot of importance for uh, human meeting, community meetings, all kind of uh, sending delegation to other countries, having receptions. Uh, all this uh, really helps very much uh, to create better peace in the world. You have said you are empowering conflict through transformative mediation and conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing because right. I think we have come to see conflict as, as a menace, as something to be put away with. But actually, if you put away conflict, then there won't be much relationship or there won't be much politics left either because conflict is also a growth opportunity or is there because humans are there. Look, it is impossible to have harmonic relationship in every society group family organization governments you have sometimes disharmony which is good it's good if it's managed it, well. it, if it managed well and what i'm saying is if you are finding a disharmony try to bring it to harmony how you do it by good communication in my new book that i wrote mediation practical guide i have a chapter about communication and i developed a theory based on the philosophy of dialogue jewish philosopher martin buber who wrote the book i thou and he says that sometimes you talk to a person but you think that he is he not you you have to have direct communication Therefore, from this harmony to harmony, you do by good communication. When you have good communication, you have dynamics. The dynamics of the dialogue between two parties bring understanding and respect. I have to make a difference between dialogue between simple people and dialogue between politicians. Politicians, they don't really have communication. They have interest. And when you have clash of interest, they don't really have a dialogue. The simple people, 
Istanbul. But the, when I go, when I visited Istanbul and I went to eat Lakhbajun, I really liked it and people were very friendly. I didn't feel anything wrong. I had good dialogue with the people in the street. But when you come to politicians, they have other interests. If you don't find common interests, if you can't uh, give an answer to an interest, you have a conflict. You don't have a dialogue. I speak about real dialogue and I think that Israeli people and uh, Turkish people can speak to each other, enjoy each other, and understand each other. Can you tell us the regulation about compliance and complaint process and indemnity insurance in Israel? It's very similar to the English system, where the mediator has to do all of these things on its own. Why was such a system adopted? We copied it from the United States. Okay. Because the United States were the first one where they were not happy with the system of justice, and they started this idea of ADR, that mediation is one part of it. For the last 20 years, there were very little regulation, and mediation is not considered as a profession. However, the mediator organizations that exist in Israel already submitted some suggestion for a new law. A mediator will be like a psychologist, a lawyer. We already have all organizations that wrote code of ethics. We have a new law. Who can be a mediator? For example, a mediator should have an academic degree. But doesn't have to be a lawyer. Doesn't have to be a lawyer. But there are certain criteria that he has to obtain in order to be a mediator and be on the list of the court. In a few years also in Israel, mediation will turn to be a profession like a lawyer, like a psychologist, like a social worker, and so on. This is the, the aspiration of mediators and the mediators' organization. I don't know how the government looked at it, but at the moment is more as a free activity. Although there are some uh, regulations, uh, for example, you can't go to family court if you don't give an application to solve the problem by dialogue. In civil court, you have to go to a mediator in order to discuss with him whether the case suitable uh, for mediation or for the court. So this is a process. We have ups and downs. This year, we are, I think, in the process of going up because of the, the new regulation about who can be a mediator, there is going to be a big change. Thank you very much. Is there anything that you would like to add? Uh, I would like to thank you, first of all, for uh, interviewing me. And I call for people to learn more about mediation and to use mediation. We live on a global world. We have to understand each other, assist each other, and live in peace as much as we can. Think global, work local. Thank you so much for allocating your time. Thank you. To summarize the discussions in the program, we talked about transformative mediation and its uses in some areas. Transformative mediation is a newer kind of mediation if we consider evaluative and facilitative kinds. And it is based on empowering parties and recognition of the needs, interests, and values and perspective of each party by the other party. In other words, here the first step is to better the relationship between the parties and only after that 
crucial step deal with the conflict itself. I think Dr. Silvera made that very clear. A part of this kind of mediation was also ethno-religious mediation that he explained that allows people to understand without the need to agree. And another context of transformative mediation is also apparently applied in international relations and Dr. Silvera explained how the conflict is different for politicians as they do not engage in communication for understanding but for their interests. I thought that was like an interesting difference that he pointed out. Lastly, we compared the court-appointed mediation requirements in Turkey and Israel a little and the regulation of mediation. That's it for this program. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to put a picture of me and David Silvera to the Instagram account of We Can Find A Way. I'm also going to have a Turkish translation of the program in the blog of We Can Find A Way. Thanks to Efsane Şimal Yalçın for her translation. I will be also tweeting about this program. So do let me think about your views about it at ialvaris at icloud.com. I'm grateful to Ipar Coach, who's the sponsor of We Can Find A Way, and John Aksoy, who helps me in marketing. Thank you and see you in the next program. We Can Find A Way. Idil Elverish presented 